1: What's up, guys? Welcome to another episode of the Dog Gimmicks Podcast. I'm your humble host, as always, Brady Leonard. Hopefully, you guys had a terrific weekend. Uh, Great show for you today. I was joined by my brother, Ezra Wyrick. Always a great time talking to Ezra. Uh, And we covered a lot. We talked about our geriatric ruling class, uh, who seems to be... Every member of our geriatric ruling class seems to be falling apart mentally and... and Physically on our TVs, right in front of us, um, we talked about Trump's PAC spending forty million dollars of, of uh, donors' money on legal bills and what that all means, and what people that truly want to be free should be focusing on uh, moving forward, regardless of what happens in the next presidential election, uh, and a lot more. I think you guys will enjoy it. Before we get to Ezra, if you haven't already, guys, please follow us on Twitter at NoGimmicksPod. Please subscribe on iTunes, SoundCloud, Spotify, wherever you get your podcasts. Make sure to subscribe, and if you are an Apple user, please take a couple seconds to leave us a five-star rating and a good review. I'd really appreciate that. And if you like the show and want to get involved, you can support us monthly over on Patreon, patreon.com slash no podcast. All right, without further ado, the great Ezra Wyrick. All right, guys, we're here with my brother, Ezra Wyrick. Ezra, how you been, man?
0: Doing very well, my friend. How are you doing?
1: I'm doing great. So a lot to discuss, as always, this this Monday. Um, first, because this happened after um, the my last podcast on, on Wednesday, we need to mention again um, the age and mental state of the people running this country. Um, we've talked Biden's health to death. Um, I guess poor choice of words. But, you know, the man is 80. He's suffering from late-stage dementia or something like that. Last mm. week he claimed he cured cancer, and he fell asleep during a presser with, uh, I believe, it was the president of Israel. He just fell asleep, and then, and this guy's looking around at the White House staff like, should, should I do something? Like, do I need to perform yeah. CPR? Yeah. You know, it's like uncomfortable. Like a
0: typical week for him. <laughs> yeah,
1: and and then Mitch McConnell, um, who is also eighty, um, mm-hmm. had an apparent stroke on live TV. He just froze up for about thirty seconds and couldn't speak. Um, and you can go down the list diane feinstein is, is 89 um, on friday when she was speaking in the senate she had no idea where she was um, yeah. a, another senator had to tell her quote just say i <laughs> you know?
0: oh my i did and, not see that
1: yeah just say i you know she started reading off her notes when it wasn't her time to speak and yeah it was it was it was embarrassing <laughs> and you know pelosi's 83 84 something like that and let's be honest she's still in charge of of house democrats i mean mm. on the republican side trump is Seventy-eight, you know, you know, he's uh, he'd yeah. be eighty if if he were to win re-election. Um, these people are old; they're sick, and they absolutely refuse to give up power.
0: Yeah, absolutely refuse to give up power. That's one thing that's always struck me is like, you have uh, really powerful old politicians that you know are like in stages of dementia or you know sickly and they still will not give up power. It's like they they have an insatiable thirst for power. Even if they have power, once they get power, they want to latch on to power for as long as they possibly can. They have a death grip on their power.
1: Yeah. And I understand, like, you know, how polarized the country has been in in recent years. Yes. I, I understand why Democrats, if they just hate Donald Trump, they hate Republicans, they hate whoever. Like, I understand, like voting for John Fetterman who's clearly incapacitated, can't serve as a senator. I assume those I mean, he won in a landslide as well, which is pretty crazy. But like I I understand Mm -hmm. if you're a Democrat like voting for that and just like hoping the governor replaces him with another you know, he resigns, the governor replaces him with another Democrat or whatever. Like I like as awful as that is and I certainly wouldn't do that. Like I can understand the rationale there. But like if these geriatric politicians if biden feinstein pelosi schumer maxine waters like all these people in their 80s if these geriatric democrats all retired the democrats would lose nothing (laughs) you know what i mean
0: they're all in safe states
1: safe districts it's like they don't lose power at all and republicans too like chuck grassley's 89 right like trump will be 80 next year if the geriatric republicans quit it would probably i mean if trump quit it would help republicans gain power you know but like these people aren't even fighting over power anymore. The parties are entrenched. I mean, because of gerrymandering and everything else, it's like, what, 10%, 12% of congressional districts are even winnable by the the opposition party? I mean, there's like so few close races anymore. Like, they're not even fighting over power. It's just these individuals who are just obsessed with the wealth and power that they've built. I mean, if you look at leadership, Kevin McCarthy is the only, the, only, the only one with any semblance of power on the federal level who's under retirement age.
0: Yes, mm-hmm. that's exactly right. Um, there aren't too many people in, like, congressional leadership. I can't really think of any that are under retirement age that are in, like, the, uh, the congressional hierarchy of leadership. They all are at least over 60. It's, it's ridiculous.
1: And I'm not even saying um, we need, like, age limits. You know, for politicians like I'm not even like I'm an anarchist like the the audience knows where I'm coming from. So it's like I'm not I'm not (laughs) even issuing a policy proposal here. And like, you know, if I could snap my fingers and Thomas Sowell or or, or Ron Paul becomes president, I do it in a heartbeat. And they're both in their 90s. So it's like it's not necessarily an age thing. But Mm -hmm. I just don't know what it says about the American voter that they look at these people who are. I mean, it's not just their past retirement age. They're past the average life expectancy for a person in the West, right? It's, it's crazy, and they keep voting for them. It really, that, like-
0: it really just speaks to the tribalism in the country, man. Like, I, when I look at some of these people that get elected to office, like on, on the congressional level, like the federal level, and even on the state level, and like governors and things like that, I, I ask myself, I say, you know, you know, I say, thank God I'm an independent. Like, I'm glad that I'm not that tribal because that I would vote for someone like that just because of, you know, like the party that's the the letter that's next to their name. Like, I I cannot believe people are that tribal, but at the same time, I understand why they are because of just the rampant polarization in the country today. It's worse. It's it's almost as bad. Well, I won't say it's almost as bad because that ended in civil war, but it's getting close to the levels of polarization in like the late 1850s and early 1860s.
1: Yeah, it's tough. It's tough, you know. Um, yeah, I, I, I see the parallels there. It's tough to, to kind of point to um, mm-hmm. historical context because not many people were politically involved back then. Right. It's so like, even during the Civil War, I mean, it just wasn't, unless you're a military-aged male, then you, then you were involved. But, like, you know, even during the American Revolution, it's like one, over a third of the country had no opinion one way or the other.
0: It is a different dynamic that so many people are involved now. And uh, I, I think that actually makes it worse and has, yeah. has a potential to for a worse outcome.
1: Oh, absolutely. And, I mean, if you're a guy like me, you look at these people, these these elites running the country that are, you know, 80s, 90s. I mean, I view it as an indictment of democracy itself right? (laughs) because that's that's where I'm at. But even if you're not a radical like me, I mean, I I don't know how uh, just an average normie, just a normal voter can look at what our system of government has produced and think it's like if you look at this, if you look at the what democracy in this country has produced and you don't think that massive changes are required. It's like I don't know what can convince you. I mean, these, these people are having strokes on live TV. They can no longer speak English. They have to be told when to vote in the Senate. I mean, it's 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 not like I don't know how anyone. And you see, like the approval ratings, like Trump and Biden are both at like thirty five percent. I mean, like yeah. the lion share of Americans hate both of them. Dude,
0: but look it's at, like look at congressional approval rating. Oh. Last time I checked, it's like seventeen percent, and I'm just over here like, who are the seventeen percent?
1: Yeah. And if I mean leadership too, if you look at like McConnell, yeah. Pelosi, they're all they're routinely in the twenties. <laughs> you know, everybody hates them except for the guys in their own caucus. You know, exactly. Um, yeah, it is. It is crazy. I mean, it's you'd think that it would be more jarring to the average voter to see their leaders, whether you like them or not, falling apart. I mean, unable to communicate. But I don't know. I mean, does it really make a dent? I mean, you'd think. I mean, I you know, I I thought Trump would win in 2020, right? Like I thought it wouldn't actually be that close. I mean, just because Biden was so bad, you saw him in the debates. You saw the drugs wear off after 30, 40 minutes, you know, of of talking during the debate, and then he totally falls apart. And you're like, okay, like, oh yeah, what do to do? Pump him full of speed for four years? You know, like I, I just figured that the American people would say like, okay, we don't like Trump, but like it's dangerous, you know, if we're involved in like five separate military conflicts all over the world right now. And it's like it's it would be dangerous to have a semi incapacitated man in the Oval Office. The voters did not agree. You know, Biden got what, 80, 81 million votes, something like that. And sorry, Trump supporters, he did get those votes. You know, they're not fake. It wasn't Dominion machines or whatever. But I don't know. I mean, it just it doesn't seem to bother the average voter for some reason
0: i mean no it doesn't seem to bother the average voter it does like it's not even just the age thing it's just the um the incompetence and the ineptitude of of politicians just does not seem to bother people like if you ask someone in a poll of whether or not they approve of congress they might say no but here's something that i've always that i've always noticed is that if you ask them if they approve of their own congress person they'll usually say yes congress is terrible but my congressman is great. You know, uh, the presidency, the presidential, all the presidential candidates are terrible except for mine. <laughs> right. People just have this tribalism and this like. Uh, Gonna have to you know, see your
1: work. Gonna have clo- to see your work on that Close proximity <laughs> bias. Yeah.
0: Close proximity bias, I think is what I would call it.
1: Yeah, absolutely. The other main piece of news we have to discuss, and this really, like, stuff like this, look, it. When Trump does something evil, it bothers me more than when Joe Biden does something evil. <laughs> okay, it just does because I expect—I mean, I expect you know Trump to do bad things too. He's a politician, whatever.
0: Yeah, the bar but is it, so low, but you at least expect that he would be better than Biden. Right? Better than
1: Biden, and and also like I, you know, I I endorsed Trump in 2020 on the show. I changed a lot of people's votes from other people to Donald Trump, from the Libertarian candidate to Donald Trump. Like, I trust me, I've. Mm-hmm. I swung some votes, man, in my, my own small way, my little tiny sliver of whatever influence I have, you know. And I, I endorsed him. I voted for him twice. And, and I you know, a lot of my friends are, are Trump supporters, and I just see how he's treating them. And it drives me absolutely up the wall. Trump's PAC over the first half of 2023 has spent over $40 million on legal bills. Okay, Trump is taking working-class people's hard-earned money and paying his lawyers with it. Donald Trump has an estimated six billion dollars. Okay, this is this is evil, mm-hmm. is it not? And to Trump supporters yeah. at home, if any other name a billionaire that you don't like, any any Mark Zuckerberg, okay, George Soros, right, Voldemort, right? Name <laughs> name your evil billionaire of choice. What would you say if that billionaire was taking cash from Steve down at the bar at the end of the road, making thirty five grand a year? And spending it on legal bills
0: and that uh, another you know dynamic to that is that Steve down at the bar is you know gullible enough to to send them the money because there's just this, this this weaponization of fear like. Have you have you read the emails that the RNC and, and Trump's PAC sends out to supporters? Like, do you know how bad that is? Because I, I actually signed up for the emails just out of curiosity. And I have, all, messages, I have them all
1: I have them all blocked. I have them all blocked. So I don't PAC get messages, any of that stuff. <laughs>
0: dude, dude, it is insane. It is insane. Like if you don't donate on a regular basis, you can expect to pretty much be chewed out via text, via email. Uh are you uh it's like Are you a patriot or are you a socialist? It's like they give you this (laughs) this binary choice. Like you either donate to Donald Trump or it's like you're disappointing the man or Donald Trump is very disappointed in you or uh, uh, Donald Trump is disappointed that you are no longer a patriot and that kind of stuff. (laughs) And as annoying as that is to normal sane people, it actually works in some demographics and it's insane.
1: It's heartbreaking, man. It's heartbreaking. I mean, the Stockholm syndrome is so bad that, I mean, I've, I've had to mute a bunch of people and block people on Twitter for attacking me over this. You know, like, mm. I just pointed out, like, this is wrong. He needs to stop doing this. And people went nuts on me because a lot of Trump supporters are fine with it. They're fine that, they're, I mean, they're fine that Trump, wait, my goodness. I mean, dude, let's look past the $40 million on, on on legal fees for a second. Trump raised $250 million in 2020 and 2021 on mm-hmm. lies about the 2020 election. And none of that money. I mean, like, are these these Trump supporters fine with the fact that none of that money went towards what was promised?
0: I mean, but more they're, than they're... fine with it. A lot of them contributed to it.
1: I know, I know. I mean, they they they're apparently okay with their money being used for a billionaire's lawyer bills. I mean, it's it's incredible to watch, man. And I've said it before. The two main reasons I can't support Trump is that one, he refuses to take blame or apologize for the lockdowns, for Fauci, for all that stuff. I mean, that's the the worst mm-hmm. thing that's happened to this country in my lifetime, at least since nine eleven and the Patriot Act, um, and probably worse than that for the average American, um, and and two because he just doesn't respect his own supporters and treats them like Trumps. You know what I mean? I can't vote for a man who laughs at my friends. You know, I I, I, mean, I buddies with a lot of Trump supporters and he's laughing in their mm-hmm. face and spending their money on legal bills. I mean, it's just gross.
0: Yeah, exactly. And and um, one of the one of my main problems, like with Trump, not just a, as a politician, but as a person, is he has no loyalty. The man has no loyalty whatsoever. Like he demands complete loyalty from other people, but he does not reciprocate. Yeah. Like, he will he will throw you under the bus if you just so much as blink at him the wrong way. Yeah. And I, I just think that's that's a terrible trait for someone to have.
1: Yeah, yeah, Absolutely. And, I mean, when it, looking at the, the 2024 election, I mean, if something doesn't change, I mean, mm-hmm. <laughs> Republicans are going to get wrecked. I mean, Democrats always have more money to spend than Republicans in presidential cycles. It's actually the rare realistic,
0: that I— The realistic scenario right now for 2024 is, unfortunately, four more years of Biden. Well, I, I say four more years of Biden, but actually it would probably be more like a one and a half or two more years of Biden, followed by— you know 2 years of Kamala Harris or some other you know stand-in candidate because Biden is not going to make it another 4 years.
1: Oh, I mean honestly, I wouldn't be sur- another. I wouldn't be surprised with a month and then he resigns. <laughs> I mean it's just he can't. He's falling apart at such a rapid rate. But I mean yeah. if you look at the money spent in recent election cycles, whether it's the midterms or presidential cycles, it's rare that a Republican can outspend a Democrat in a statewide race. You know, like, 90% of the big players in the political money game are Democrats. You know, not all, but most. Like, how do you think, like, if you're just a normal Republican, like, how do you think this election is going to go, man? Like, you nominate the least popular politician in the country who's somehow, somehow, three points behind Joe Biden in terms of favorability, unfavorability. I mean, he's three points behind a dead man, and he's going to divert the lion's share of donations to his lawyers. I mean, it's like... Republicans are headed towards a buzzsaw if something doesn't change I mean it, it sucks for everybody because that means higher taxes more inflation less freedom I think it's reasonable to expect a unified Democrat government even in, in 2025 I mean we could be looking for looking at some really really bad stuff and it's like man I you can't win elections without money man and if if the Trump campaign is spending all their donations on on legal bills it's like I mean how, how do you how are you expecting to win Wisconsin or Michigan or Arizona Georgia I mean these states that these swing states that you need, it's just not I mean, they're gonna be outspent two to one by the Democrats. I mean it's it's looking bleak, man, for Republicans.
0: I mean, hey, you can go to you can go to Wisconsin and Michigan and Pennsylvania, hold some massive rallies and post clips all over social media like, Look how big my crowd was and then lose them all by like three, four or five points because you didn't spend enough money there. I think one thing that uh Trump has this affinity for huge rallies and huge shows of support, right? But uh, unfortunately, you know, rallies don't win elections. And uh, I think that that's been his approach for a very long time, you know, rallying the troops in these swing states. But if you're not spending the proper amount of money to actually get people to the polls, you're going to get wrecked. It doesn't matter how many people show up to your rally in red hats and wave signs around. How many, how many of those people are actually voting? How many of those people are actually going to go vote?
1: That's the, est- the question. The establishment Democrats are so good at fundraising. They're oh, yeah. so good at fundraising. I mean, and half the fundraising is on the back of, of Donald Trump, too. I mean, the, the donations to Democrats skyrocket when they can make the election about Donald Trump. Mm. So you have the ultimate Democrat fundraiser in Trump. <laughs> Democrats, who is also- are
0: good at, Democrats are good at two things that people on the right are not good at fundraising and confrontational politics. Yeah. They've got both of these things down to the T when yeah. the right the right struggles with getting either of these two things right, especially in terms of confrontational politics, because there's like this this idea that, oh, we need to be better. We need to be better than our opposition. So it's kind of, I think someone gave an analogy, you show up in the ring, uh, the other guy has a chainsaw, and you just show up with normal boxing gloves. Because, right. You know, you want to be fair.
1: Right, right. Yeah, I even, uh with the whole showing up with, with boxing gloves, and I'm not going to hit him too hard because he's the best senator we have, but Rand Paul was talking the other day about um, how Republicans shouldn't impeach Biden.
0: Mm-hmm.
1: And he's like, well, it could backfire politically. It's like everything backfires on Republicans. Everything
0: politically. could backfire <laughs> it's like, politically at this you point. You
1: just can't, but you can't, like, it, it's the same. I mean, you know, you hear Trump after all the losses in the midterms, he, he blamed Roe v. Wade, he blamed. You know, the pro life movement and, and pro life legislation. And it's like, one, what a dick move. <laughs> I mean, my goodness, way to just stab your own supporters in the back on like one of their most important issues, one. But two, who cares? Like, it's like, who cares? <laughs> okay. Like, you know, what? It was a mistake to overturn Roe v. Wade because it backfired politically? No. I mean, like in Texas alone, we saved like a I don't know, like 100,000 babies or something since then. I mean, like you're saving human beings. You're saving human souls. I mean, it's not—I don't don't care what backfires politically. You know, like this whole, like, oh, I don't know, might not work out. Guys, I mean, yeah, the the Democrats have their thumb on the scales with the press. I mean, the corporate press adds, I don't know, five to ten points to the Democrats in every election. I mean, from dog catcher to president. You know, that's really how they rig elections. It's not by voting machines and stuff like that. But uh, it's like stop, stop worrying about if it's gonna backfire, if it's gonna work out at the ballot box. Just do the right thing, man. Like Biden is a corrupt old man who's flirting with World War Three. Get him out of there, impeach him. Like, I don't, you know, like it doesn't matter. It, it might hurt some Senate race in Wisconsin or whatever. Like I don't care, you know.
0: Like I don't. I,
1: what a weak, weak thing for Rand to say, and un- uncharacteristic for him too.
0: Yeah, yeah. I mean, absolutely. But I also think that you know. He's probably like approaching it from you know, a lot more pragmatist perspective, but pragmatics goes out the window whenever you're facing this kind of opposition. I mean, um, you can be pragmatic, but just know that the other side is not going to be pragmatic. And I think this, just, you know, this just gets back to the uh, to the point that I made before that the Democrats are, are so good at fundraising, they're so good at confrontational politics, and they are very good at doing this in a way that the average, like, you know, undecided voter, whoever that is out there is going to be more drawn to their position than to the position of the Republican candidate. So they're able to take radical ideas and frame them in a, you know, at least somewhat pragmatic and sane way. And that is something that Republicans are not good at at all. They shoot themselves in the foot every time they try to be radical on something.
1: Yeah. Yep. Yeah. And and they pick, you know, they pick uh, issues that are not popular at all, you know. Yeah. Like, securing the border is, is popular, obviously, but the whole, like, deport everyone, not popular. <laughs> you know what I mean? It's like, yeah. that that was like Republicans took for, like, a decade the position, like, deport every illegal alien, you know, like, regardless yeah. of situation. It's like, well, that polls at 10 That polls at 10%, of, um, <laughs> you know what I mean?
0: Yeah, the kind of, and, and not just that, the kind of manpower and And the the state apparatus that you would need, the kind of expansion that you would need to see to get that pulled off. From the FBI, yeah. That would be like, uh, I mean, I feel like the government would would jump at that opportunity because, uh, you know, deportation, uh, total deportation of every, uh, you know, undocumented migrant would be – would expand the state exponentially because, you you know, you'd have to form squads. You'd have to form teams to go and round them up and, you know, completely – Uh, set fire to the Constitution for the one millionth time. You know, you'd have to expand the surveillance apparatus to see where they're at. Like, I I feel like the government would jump at the opportunity if it was ever, you know, a serious policy consideration.
1: Oh, for sure. For sure. If you look at the two, you know, assuming Trump is the nominee, hopefully he's not, but, you know, you never Mm -hmm. know. Look, I mean, he's up by 30 points now. I mean, if you look at Biden and Trump, the two presumptive nominees at this point, the, the Biden campaign is going to have more money than God to spend. They're going to pile up these indictments on Trump. I mean, he's going to get indicted at least one more time, maybe twice. Yeah, I mean, one the, the, thing—, one the, two thing biggest, the two biggest uh, campaign expenditures thus far have been—for uh, Trump's campaign has been legal bills and attacking Ron DeSantis. <laughs> you know what I mean? I've
0: never seen so a like... politician where the more scandals that they have, the more hardcore their supporters become. It's like during Nixon's time, right, during Watergate, his supporters—like, he lost what? 80, 85 percent of his supporters, like if you supported Nixon, you were like anathema or something. But because of all the scandals and like Watergate compared to some of the scandals of the modern era isn't is like a drop in the bucket. It's just a normal Tuesday. Yeah. But with Trump, it seems like the more the more scandals that get revealed, the more stuff that comes out, the more indictments come down, just his supporters get stronger and stronger and stronger. But what I don't think Trump supporters realize, and Trump in particular doesn't really have a grasp of, is the independent, the undecided voter is getting farther and farther away because, quite frankly, no one wants to vote for a potential criminal or someone who could potentially be going to prison like six months into their presidency. Like no yeah, one wants I mean, to do that.
1: I mean, it's just – I mean, they just don't understand that Twitter isn't real life, man. I mean, yeah, like the the base of Trump's support gets stronger with all these indictments, but that's, what, 15%, 20% of the country? You can't win in anything with that. On the low end. You can't win any election with that. You know, and you have one side who's going to have hundreds of millions of dollars focused directly on destroying Donald Trump. And you have Donald Trump that's going to be underfunded, spending most of his money on legal bills and attacking other Republicans. I mean, how do you think, like, Trump supporters, how is that going to work? Like just use your head for a second here. Look forward look look ahead a year. How is this gonna work out for you? Like, are you heading towards victory? Because <laughs> like anytime, you know, people ask Trump, like, okay, so you know, you the election was stolen, right? Now you think the election's mm-hmm. stolen. So like, what are you gonna do different? He's like, nothing. We're just gonna win. Mm-hmm. It's like, well, this,
0: this, well what yeah, does that mean? Is, like what what are is you gonna literally... do? Like, how... How? This is my contention. This is my contention. When I talk to I talk to Trump supporters, I have a lot of you know hardcore, really diehard Trump supporters in my family, and they're like, and I'm like, why did Trump lose the 2020 election? They're like, well, it was rigged. It was rigged that the election was rigged. I'm like, well, uh, how is Trump going to win the 2024 election? Well, I don't know. He, he's just going to you know we're going to turn out in massive numbers, and I was like, well, can't they just rig it again? Like if they have the apparatus to rig a presidential election. If they can do that, don't you think they would just do that every single time he runs for president? Like, what is the what is the use of showing up to the polls and voting? Like, oh, well, if we show up to the polls enough, then we can uh, you know, kind of counteract the cheating and we'll just flood the polls and then the cheating won't count. Like, Well, according to you guys, they already know how many people are going to be voting ahead of time. And they already got enough votes, you know, sitting around in some warehouse to send in. uh, So, like, you you guys are are taking a pretty defeatist mentality, if you ask me. But then you still think you can win, yet the game is rigged against you. It's like going into a chess match knowing that you can't win, but still believing that you can win. It's like the most bizarre thing imaginable.
1: Yeah. I mean, it's like the Battle of Little Bighorn or something. (laughs) (laughs) You know what I mean? It's like, we don't have enough men. Well, I don't know. we're going to go fight them anyway. See what, see what it's like. What? Yeah,
0: you, you you see the uh you see the natives coming across the, <laughs> you know, coming across the canyon by the hundred of thousands <laughs> right. you're standing here with just a few soldiers and you're I like, know. "Well, we're going to win this."
1: Yeah. It's like, well, we got our asses what, kicked what, before, what but let me you tell you.
0: About? It'll what be different this time.
1: About? Yeah, I know. It's like give me something. Like it and it yes. not it's not just the voters. It's the is like Trump's I mean Trump isn't going to He's not very strategically minded. He's not gonna lay out mm, some like yeah. strategy on how to win well, or whatever. I but mean, his
0: surrogates his surrogates don't I, I, I mean, love has... the death, but they don't know politics. They don't understand how politics works.
1: Well even his surrogates like J D Vance and like these like mm. senators and congressmen, people like they have nothing. Yeah. Like they you know, people are like, well, all right, how are you gonna win this? Like what what's gonna look different in twenty twenty four? Nothing. They've got absolute they're like, Well, Biden sucks and we're gonna win it's like Biden has sucked for a long time, ladies and gentlemen. Yep. <laughs> okay, like he's never been I mean, when he was a fifty year old senator, he wasn't very popular. You know, like he's yeah. ran for president multiple times. Like he's never been very it's, it's he is who he is. You lost to him once. Like how how? And they have nothing. There's no there's no plan. There's no strategy. I mean, it's it's similar to like these wars that we get these never ending wars that we get ourselves into. Well, we're gonna yeah. go in and well, it didn't work in Afghanistan, but it'll work in Iraq. Well, it didn't work in Iraq; it'll work in Syria. It'll work in Yemen. It'll work in Libya. It'll work in Ukraine. Like what? Yep. What on earth? Like there's, I, I just don't. I don't know, man. I don't know. It's just a
0: just a cycle of avoidable failure. Yeah, That's yeah. How I would describe it
1: absolutely. And it, I mean, it'll be a long primary. Who knows? And if Trump, you know, I don't know. Maybe he could. Maybe Biden does get so bad, the economy gets so bad that it doesn't matter. Who knows? But. I mean, the economy was pretty bad in 2020. You know, Democrat governors yeah. were still locking everybody in their homes and stuff like that. And if that, I mean, if, if, be, if, if, be, if keep being locked in your house yeah. <laughs> at gunpoint no. doesn't make you vote for Donald Trump, dude, I don't know, man. I don't think $4 eggs are going to, you know, or $5 yeah. gas is no, going to do not, it. Like, not, I, just, not gonna I do don't think trick. so.
0: Yeah. do the trick. Yeah.
1: Yeah. It's not great. It's not great, my friend.
0: It's uh, not a great I, outlook. And, I mean, uh, you know, to be cautious— I think that uh, libertarian the libertarian groups should probably be focusing a lot of attention on uh, the state level because if if we have a uh, Biden get back in there and we have a a Democratic trifecta and he feels like he has a mandate, there's got to be some kind of uh, some kind of counteracting force in place to kind yeah. nu- of try to nullify all the terrible legislation that's inevitably going to be coming down from from Washington.
1: Yeah, we need like strong. We, we have
0: to have a strong nullification. Yeah, like I mean states are going to have to start embracing that.
1: Yeah. Yeah. I mean, the the state legislatures have to be a bulwark against the predations of a second Biden term. Um, mm-hmm. I mean, the Senate map looks bad for Republicans. Um, the House in presidential years kind of just goes as the as the top of the ticket goes. And Trump is mm. just floundering in terms of, of popularity. Um, so I don't have any hope for the House <laughs> either. I th- And you're <laughs> absolutely right. I mean, people that they care about liberty, care about You know, individual rights, God given liberties, property rights, things like that. They need Mm -hmm. to get involved on the state level, Um, elect state reps and state senators that actually give a shit and can nullify some of these some of these terrible laws that are going to be coming down from Congress if Biden wins re-election.
0: Unless Um, your congressman is Thomas Massey, don't don't anticipate that your congressman will defend your liberty in the face of federal overreach. (laughs) You know, you're going to have to rely on your state legislature and you're you're not going to go up to your you're not going to go up to your legislator and you're not going to say, oh, well, look at this terrible law coming down from Washington. Can you please do something about this? No, that's not going to work because, frankly, they could care less. So you're going to have you're going to use confrontational tactics to really grab control of the state legislatures and get some real nullification out there to counteract. Um, all the bad legislation that will inevitably come, be coming down if Biden wins a second term, if it feels like he has a complete mandate. Because I shiver to think the kind of stuff that will be coming down from Washington if he feels like he has an absolute mandate, like a a um, a small like a small majority in the Senate, a big majority in the House, and the presidency. Democrats are are just going to go haywire.
1: Yeah, and I think you'd see um, I think you'd see a lot more. I mean, it's been astronomical already, the interstate migration, but I think you'd really start seeing, you know, Republicans leave blue areas even to a higher rate yep. than they already have been. Um,
0: mm-hmm. And the more Republicans that leave the blue areas, the more blue that they become.
1: Yeah. Oh, I, yeah, I don't think that's... Yeah. I mean, I, there's no way... Um, I think that's already happened. I mean, I... I
0: you know, mm-hmm. obviously
1: yeah. things do change. I mean, you know, there was, uh, you know, like Arnold Schwarzenegger was a Republican governor of California. You know, there was a Republican governor in <sighs> yeah. New York. What was his name? Um, was it Pataki? I don't know. I don't know. New York had a Republican governor maybe 15, 18 years ago, something like that. That's just not going to happen in the next several decades. I think the damage has been done. There's just hollowed yeah. out, you know. If you look, I mean, it's like, I mean, Florida gained two, congressional districts in the last cycle because so many republicans from new york moved to florida mm-hmm. i mean it's like it's crazy texas gained a district because uh, too many californians you know left california you know so it's like yeah. I, I think that damage has kind of already been done and but the thing is it, it's not the worst thing in the world for liberty for no, people not. to it's sort not... themselves in this way i mean it sucks if you are unable to leave a blue state you know if you're in if you're in illinois and you Cannot afford to pick up and move to Indiana. That's really going to suck for you because Illinois is going to get worse and worse and worse. But it's not, you know, how—here's the, here's the deal. For, as, from the libertarian or the anarcho-capitalist perspective, how what percentage of Americans actually want to be free in the same way that we want to be free? 10 percent? 5 percent?
0: Less? Yeah, Something yeah, you know, yeah. like a,
1: a very I small think it, number.
0: I think it's a smaller number, probably— Probably in like a libertarian or anarcho-capitalist sense, how many people want to be free? Oh, three percent, dude. If that.
1: So we're not going to convince fifty-one percent of American voters to want freedom for themselves Absolutely and their not. families, but we can affect some of these state races and affect the makeup of some of these uh, state legislatures that can mm-hmm. pass um, legislation that we would approve of. You know, you saw. I mean, you saw my my good friend Eric Brakey. Um, who's a state senator once again up in Maine? Um, good
0: guy, good guy. He's a
1: great, he's a great guy. One of the best, one of the best we have. Um, and when he was a state senator, his first term, which I think was like twenty twelve to twenty sixteen maybe, um, and it, it, Maine was still, I mean, it's it's a purple state, but kind of leans blue. But he had a, 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 a Democrat governor and a Democrat controlled uh, state legislature, and he was able. He sponsored uh, constitutional carry that got passed. Um, mm-hmm. He sponsored uh, Right to Try, which got passed. He helped reform Medicare and Medicaid, got that passed. Mm-hmm. It was all this, like, hardcore libertarian <laughs> legislation, and he was, you know, he's a charismatic guy. He's, he's whip-smart, and he was able to whip those votes and get and drag that, you know, over the finish line in Maine. And, I mean, that's not a red state. I mean, that's not Kentucky. That's not West Virginia. This is Maine. And they got right. a whole lot of freedom really fast, just because a handful of Ron Paul guys got elected. You know, I mean, it doesn't.
0: Yeah. It, on, it seems like it's it takes, all it, that it takes. Is, is a handful. And right, all it takes I, a handful. It, you it don't feels like have we're have a majority. You could just be a very, very yes. loud minority, and you can get some things accomplished.
1: A hundred percent. A hundred percent. Yeah, I mean, look, look at, and if you have good men and women in those legislatures, I mean, it's like Florida passed. I mean, it was like during their latest cycle, they passed like. Seven or eight huge bills There's like a parents bill of rights uh, Different parental rights bills uh, You know Transparency for government schools Stuff like that Constitutional carry Some border security stuff It was like all this big stuff And it was just the same handful of state reps And state senators sponsoring everything It doesn't take It feels like you know We're we're pushing this rock up a hill forever and ever but, But at the state level It honestly doesn't take too much sometimes
0: It does not It does not. And you can really affect state politics with a small number of people. But that's something that, you know, people have to be made aware of. It's not like, no, you're not helpless. Just don't take the uh, the access route. Right. I mean, like when I talk to Republican voters, the way that they think that they get their politicians to listen to them is to go the access route. Like, you know, go to their office, sit down, have a cup of coffee, beg them on their hands and knees to please do something about this issue that is not what politicians respond to uh, any any of the uh, any of the Republican listeners in the audience that haven't seen the real nature of politics or a showing of it or even just a video form. I recommend you go watch it because it is it is eye opening in terms of political activism and that kind of thing. Go watch that, because if Absolutely. you really if you really want to affect change, you have to be confrontational. The left is very, very, very confrontational. And the right is, like, compared to the left, they just, like, run around, you know, crawling on their hands and knees, trying to get the politicians to change their mind. That's not—that doesn't work. Politicians care about one thing, the pursuit of power. And when you threaten that, they will bend over backwards for you to keep it.
1: Yeah. Yep. And it's real easy to identify the people that are bought and paid for. You're seeing this in a, a lot of the state legislatures right now. Um, Uh, School choice has passed in a whole bunch of states. I mean, it's like 10, 11 states now have um, like universal school choice where just each parent gets, you know, whatever. In some states, it's five grand. Some states, it's eight or nine per year per student. You know what I mean? Um, And (laughs) they're dealing with this in Texas right now. I think it's the speaker of the Texas House is a Republican. He's this, you know, he campaigns as this rock ribbed conservative. But he's like, oh, no, 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 we can't past school choice and you look at his donors and it's all the texas teachers unions you know so and he's going to get primaried he's going to lose a seat you know because it's just you can't you can't hold up what everyone in texas wants i mean school choice in texas polls at 80 percent, 75 percent, something like that across political lines across across gender lines racial lines i mean just it's popular everywhere it's actually school choice is most popular nationwide among black americans for obvious reasons right they they're, yeah. they're a lot of their kids, not all, but a lot of them are stuck in, in really bad inner city government schools. So obviously being able to take those vouchers, take their kids out of that situation is very popular. So it's like it's it's you can get these bad guys out, man. You know, you if you identify who the bad guys are, <laughs> who's taking the, the teachers union money. OK, focus on him. Take down that Republican. Replace him with somebody better. You know, it's uh, exactly. And it's way easier to do that on a state level than it is for a senator right all senators are crooked you know what i mean it's
0: just yeah, tough the closer and the closer power is to you the more control you can exert over that power and the more influence you can have you 100%. can't have a lot of influence in washington because there's a million people lined up in a line waiting to have influence in washington but you can have influence in your state you can have influence in your local area you can have influence on your county level you can have a lot of influence in politics, and uh, that that is extremely close to you. But the closer it is to you, the more influence you can exert.
1: Absolutely. I mean, look at Vermont.
0: Mm-hmm. I mean, they,
1: Bernie Sanders wins re-election every six years yeah. by, by 20 points. And then there's a whole bunch of like libertarian-leaning state reps and state senators that pass— very freedom minded. I mean, Vermont has no gun laws.
0: <laughs> if I'm not mistaken, Vermont <laughs> essentially is no gun one laws at all. States in the nation to carry a gun, and I think that uh, constitutional carry, what's now been passed in like I don't know what, 27, 28 states now. Um, a lot, a lot of uh, legislators have done a lot of great work in a lot of states, um, but I think it's actually it's actually affectionately referred to as Vermont carry. Yeah. because if I'm not mistaken, and don't don't quote me on this, Vermont was the first to pass legislation like that.
1: It's actually even better than that. Um, it is the it they it, it is the you know the Vermont blueprint. But mm-hmm. um, what Vermont did was they never passed any gun laws to begin with, <laughs> so they never oh, okay. they never passed. Constitutional okay. right. So they just never passed any gun laws. There's there's essentially no other than the ones that are on the federal level. Mm-hmm. There's essentially no gun laws in Vermont, so they were you know. They, it's, I mean, it's such a, a, a lightly populated state. Everybody hunts. Everybody owns guns. It's just kind yeah. of that. Going back to the founding, there's always been that rebe- rebellious nature up there in northern New England. But, uh, but oh, yeah, yeah, I mean,
0: yeah, with the, with the Green Mountain Boys, and Ethan Allen, and those <laughs> yeah, guys. Yeah, yeah,
1: yeah. So, but it's like, you know, it's it's a fool's errand to try to unseat Bernie Sanders in Vermont. Mm-hmm. It's just not like why would. Why would Republicans or libertarians or anybody even waste their time and money? It's just not going to happen. For some reason, they love them there. But you can elect, you know, like Vermont's version of Eric Brakey a whole bunch of times and make sure that no gun laws pop up, make sure that, you know, the feds aren't infringing on, on people's liberties there. I mean, it's like you kind of got to just pick your battles, man, especially when yes, I think we're, we're heading towards. Some dark years.
0: <laughs> for, yes, for on libertarianism. The federal, on the federal level, we are headed towards some dark years. Because Trump is that, Trump that is that really have is is to um, re-embrace and to re-revisit and to revitalize that great American concept of nullification right like we we have we have to revive nullification it has to, to stop it has to stop being a dirty word it has to stop being uh, associated with whatever you know buzzword like neo confederacy or whatever no nullification needs to come back it needs to come back stronger than ever before because that is how we are going to be able to counteract the legislation that comes out of washington the solution too bad legislation out of Washington on the state level is, well, in the words of Nancy Reagan, just say no.
1: Right. Yeah, absolutely. And, and even if Trump wins, it's still going to be important because he mm-hmm. is dragging the Republican Party to the left.
0: Nullification, I mean, nullification is important no matter who is in power on the federal level.
1: hundred percent. hundred percent. Ezra, my brother, i got to let you go. Uh, thanks for doing this, man. Let's do it again soon. Where can everybody follow you online and uh, check out everything you're involved in, which is a, a long list? But where can everybody keep in <laughs> touch, uh, follow you, all that good stuff?
0: Uh, I'll try, try to run through the list, the, the list really quickly. Uh, you can follow me on Twitter, uh, at ezra for liberty uh, you, know, you can check out my organization. I direct communications for uh, at the uh, Liberty Youth Coalition, that's uh, libertylysium.com. Uh, you can also check out Mises Magazine, I'm the chief editor over there. I've got a lot of other ventures that are going to be popping up in the future. I've got a lot of irons in the fire, so, you know, um, just just keep an eye out, be watching. It's always a pleasure being on your show, man, I really appreciate it, and I look forward to doing it again very soon.
1: Absolutely, man. Everybody follow Ezra, he's great, that's all i got for today. I'm Brady Leonard, I'll be back on Wednesday. No gimmicks. (音楽) ...